You like to watch new stuff, right? Well, go to Hulu and see what's new, because Hulu has new stuff all the time. Like Vanderpump Villa, the new docudrama starring Lisa Vanderpump, where first-class luxury meets world-class drama. A new season of The Kardashians starring The Kardashians, of course. And Grand Cayman, Secrets in Paradise, the sizzling new reality show set in the tropical Caribbean. It's all new and it's streaming now on Hulu. Meet the next generation of podcast stars with SiriusXM's Listen Next program presented by State Farm. As part of their mission to help voices be heard, State Farm teamed up with SiriusXM to uplift diverse and emerging creators. Tune in to Stars and Stars with Isa as host Isa Nakazawa dives into birth charts of her celeb guests. This is just the start of a new wave of podcasting. Visit statefarm.com to find out how we can help prepare for your future. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Discovering our true identity. In this podcast, Eckhart discusses how we define our personal identity. He says it usually begins with the physical body, then possessions and achievements. He says we may have a long list of accomplishments, even personal wealth, but we're not satisfied. We're still not good enough. Eckhart explains defining ourselves in these superficial terms is a trap and just another form of ego. Our true identity is beyond that. Wonderful to see you. There'll be many people from all over the planet joining us. We are not in a hurry to get anywhere. We are happy with being here in this moment. Before we hear the questions and maybe the answers, if they come, I'd like to have a little experiment or experimental brief meditation, so to speak, to do with identity. Identity is very important for people to have an identity. And many people are continuously in search of a better or more complete sense of identity, sense of self, sense of who you are. And for many people, or most, unless they awaken spiritually, there always remains a significant area within their sense of identity of dissatisfaction, incompleteness, the sense of something lacking, the sense that I haven't completely arrived yet, wherever that may be, the sense that I am not completely myself yet. That's why people are so afraid to die, because if, if you have no more time to become who you could be, that's terrible to the sense of identity that is the ego. So identity begins with your body, the physical body, that's me, me and my body. Then whatever else you incorporate into your sense of self, what becomes imbued with a sense of self, possessions, achievements, sufferings, memories that are imbued with a sense of self that create eventually 
a sense of my life, me and my life. You have personal identity that you identify with things that you own or things that you suffer that were done to you. Then you have an identity is always connected with a thought, even a possession, it's an external thing or an achievement. Ultimately, it's all experienced as a thought in your mind. Your car, if it's a great car and it enhances your sense of self, if you're at that stage of identity, then it's not ultimately the car that gives you your identity, it's the thought of my car that enhances your sense of self, but not in a lasting way. And as we have moved, this is an entire, just a little aside, it's an it's a topic that one of these days I will talk about in more detail. We have shifted a significant segment of the population in the past 50 years or 60 years has shifted from being dominated very much by yang energies for a very long time to a shift to more yin energies and not affecting everybody within the population, but a significant segment of the population which was a wonderful development because that enabled the arising of, started on, I could say in the 60s in the Western world, it enabled the arising of uh, deep spirituality. It also was the breakdown of certain rigid uh, yang, yang being masculine, yin, feminine, yang structures that were very rigid, so, so some were if not dissolving, they were no longer, many people were no longer identified with those structures. You like to watch new stuff, right? Well, go to Hulu and see what's new because Hulu has new stuff all the time. Like Vanderpump Villa, the new docudrama starring Lisa Vanderpump, where first-class luxury meets world-class drama. A new season of The Kardashians starring The Kardashians, of course. And Grand Cayman, Secrets in Paradise, the sizzling new reality show set in the tropical Caribbean. It's all new and it's streaming now on Hulu. From muddy jungle paths to snowy trails to rolling sand dunes, the 2024 Nissan Pathfinder is ready to take you to some of the most phenomenal destinations on Earth. In a Pathfinder, it's more than just the arrival. The real excitement comes from the ride to get there. With seven drive modes, Pathfinder's available intelligent four-wheel drive is built for some of the most epic journeys. So chase bigger, better, more exciting adventures in the 2024 Nissan Pathfinder. Intelligent four-wheel drive cannot prevent collisions or provide enhanced traction in all conditions. Always monitor traffic and weather conditions. Meet the next generation of podcast stars with SiriusXM's Listen Next program, presented by State Farm. As part of their mission to help voices be heard, State Farm teamed up with SiriusXM to uplift diverse and emerging creators. Tune in to Stars and Stars with Isa as host Isa Nakazawa dives into birth charts of her celeb guests. This is just the start of a new wave of podcasting. Visit statefarm.com to find out how we can help prepare for your future. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. And there was a great deal of wonderful development and growth of compassion and empathy of human beings' awareness of other humans, their feelings, all wonderful developments. And so in the, in the yin energy, as that many people are now in the collectively more a bit more in yin than in yang, what the segment of the population is varies from person. Many other people are still very much in yang. And uh, 
now, of course, um, the yin is very much taken over significantly this segment of the population, very much moving into yin. You can now see that interesting event, the identity, the strongest identity these days in the popular culture is not the, the victorious one, the conqueror, the one who has achieved great things. That's a yang identity. <laughs> the strongest identity is the one who has suffered or who belongs to a group of people who have suffered. And that is fine because it means that compassion arising towards other human beings. If you take it too far, anything that you take too far becomes counterproductive and creates its opposite. So this, a little bit of this has also happened and is happening too far. By that I mean that it has become very popular to have a victim identity because then you have a stronger identity than the one who has achieved. The one who has suffered in the yin culture has a more valid and stronger collective identity than the one who has achieved great things. <laughs> but you have to be careful with that so that you don't fall into that trap because that can also become a trap to see yourself as a victim or belong to a group of people or there have been group of groups of people who have been victims. Of course, we need to acknowledge that. But to make that into an identity, that's where you get trapped in another form of ego. So we need to be aware of that. At some point, I'll talk a bit more of that. Identity then is very important. It comes to the point of who am I? For many people, identity is partly personal and partly collective. For some people, it's more collective than, than so you have a group identity that's us. But now with ego, you need the other to define who you are the other who is different, who is not who you are. Without the other, you cannot define your identity. It will dissolve or collapse. You need the other to remain other in order to have this defined sense of identity. And the ego, which is complete identification with this form that you are, whatever psychological identity you have, the ego likes to make the others even more other. It likes to create to create a picture of enemies, so to speak. The, the, then the, then you, you feel more strongly who you are, but it's all, it, that's ultimately an illusion because that's not who you are. And you're dependent on antagonism and you're dependent on fighting with others because that is an unconscious ego strategy to feel more strongly a sense of identity. We need to go beyond that to awaken, which means going beyond ego. So how do we do that? So here comes a little experiment or experimental meditation. The pointer is a question. I would like to uh, ask you a question just to direct your attention in a certain direction. What does it feel like to be you? What is that, what is that identity of you? What, now, what does it feel like to be you? What does it feel like without any memory about your past? Because you are right now in the present moment without reference to the past. What does it feel like? Where is your identity, your innermost identity, the you, that sense of I? 
and that's it's something there's something very precious you don't want to lose that that sense of being and the strange thing is you can get a sense of identity without reference to memory you are not more fully yourself when you remember all your past than you are in this moment when you're simply aware of being. That is the core of your identity. And this awareness of being gets mixed up with thoughts and emotions. So then the thoughts and emotions become imbued with that sense of self. But it comes from the formless realm within yourself. It is liberating to know yourself simply as this presence that is prior to all memories and all thought. It gives you a sense of intense aliveness. That's where all power, not egoic power, where true power emanates. You're going deeper than, much deeper than the person. And so your true identity lies far beyond the person. And to even have glimpses of that is the beginning of a great shift in your life. A shift in identity from form to formless. And then you no longer desperately seek to enhance your identity on the level of form. Of course, you continue to have a form identity, but it's not the essence of who you are. It's a reflection of the essence. It's not the essence. So you have a former, you have a body. To some extent, everybody identifies a little bit with the body, but if you go deeper, the identification with body grows less. And that in itself is liberating, particularly difficult for people who had a lovely body when they're young or even into up into middle age, good looking, strong, maybe sexy, whatever. So they naturally identified a lot of their identities derived from body image. That's in a positive sense. Then for many people are not happy with their body, too thin, too fat, too this, too that, not enough this. Compare yourself to others, not as good as other people. I don't like my body, I'm ashamed of my body. That's the other identity, but both are strong body identities. And the positive body identity, eventually the body begins to grow older and it's no longer that strong and beautiful to look at <laughs> then suffering starts because your entire sense of identity begins to crumble because for many decades it was on your body <laughs> for many people deep suffering so let's take this opportunity to transcend all that and it's not just the body so the whole psychological image these days there's a lot of talk about race and gender, all forms of, all form identity. 
it, it has, of course, to some extent, you identified with your gender, to some extent, you may be identified with your race. But how strong is that? If that occupies the greater part of your sense of identity, then you are lost in form. You can acknowledge your form identity, it's fine, honor it, but you that, that's not the ultimate reality of who you are. So the ultimate reality is in part in this moment. What is it? What does it feel like to be you? And you can't think about it. You can only because stop thinking and, and start to sense that, that, that being as of you. And there you have transcended your form identity. You still have it, but you have transcended. Transcend doesn't mean you get rid of it. It means you go beyond it. It's still there, but you are beyond. So liberating. So the ultimate liberation is the liberation from yourself. This is the mind-made self form identity. And then the form identity is no longer yourself. It's just your form identity. So uh, I hope this little meditation was helpful and continues to be helpful even as we carry on now with questions. Perhaps you can still sense the deeper being of you. You like to watch new stuff, right? Well, go to Hulu and see what's new because Hulu has new stuff all the time. Like Vanderpump Villa, the new docudrama starring Lisa Vanderpump, where first-class luxury meets world-class drama. A new season of The Kardashians starring The Kardashians, of course. And Grand Cayman, Secrets in Paradise, the sizzling new reality show set in the tropical Caribbean. It's all new and it's streaming now on Hulu. Meet the next generation of podcast stars with Sirius XM's Listen Next program presented by State Farm. As part of their mission to help voices be heard, State Farm teamed up with Sirius XM to uplift diverse and emerging creators. Tune in to Stars and Stars with Isa as host Isa Nakazawa dives into birth charts of her celeb guests. This is just the start of a new wave of podcasting. Visit statefarm.com to find out how we can help prepare for your future. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Let's go on to the first question. Hello, everybody. Hello, Eckhart. My question is about the deep eye, of course. Um, so I'll just begin. There are times when I have difficulty dif differentiating between the deeper self that speaks from that deep eye and the part of me that is my conditioning and my ego, all those patterns. I used to believe that the inner voice was a piece of you that you should always follow. Um, that is until I started learning about the ego and conditioning. Um, knowing what I know now, I can see that there have been many times when I was misled by my own inner voice um, and I was confusing conditioning with the deep eye at that time. So you've said that the deep eye comes from a deep place within or that it feels like a deep knowing, but sometimes the ego feels very similar to me and it's hard to catch it. These patterns can be very sly However, there is a difference. For some thoughts, uh, they feel more urgent and they have an intense, almost anxious energy behind them. 
versus a time where these thoughts are more stern, less intense, but also very powerful. Sometimes it's very obvious and I can feel that deep knowing, knowing something without understanding how I know it versus a conditioned thought process like I should have known better and there's just more traffic involved with those. So my question is, is my method of feeling these thoughts just another trick of my ego or is my ability to feel the difference in those energies um, enough to know when my ego is taking over versus the deep eye? Thank you. Thank you. It seems to me that uh, you're on the right path. There's an awareness there. You're, you don't unquestioningly believe in every thought that arises in your mind. And most importantly, you have discovered that not everything that comes up is a realization from the deep eye, when whatever you may feel or any intuition that you may have, because there are other layers in your mind that are part of the conditioning of who you are. Mm -hmm. So. You might uh, meet somebody and have a feeling of, oh, I can't trust this person, uh, something. Mm -hmm. And now, this may come from a very deep level. In fact, then you hardly need to verbalize it. You, you just, there's a just deep knowing, and it doesn't come as I can't trust. You just know a lot of that knowing from the deeper place is non-conceptual knowing. Mm -hmm. You just know, even without verbalizing, you know. The more you verbalize, the more likely it is that it comes from other most egoic uh, layers of your psyche. So you have this person and there may be a feeling of anxiety mixed up with it, of this, I can't trust this person. And if it is anxiety is mixed up with it, it's more likely to be part of your conditioning. Perhaps this person reminds you of somebody as a child who was not kind to you or whatever it may be, <laughs> many forms of conditioning. So through conditioning, we very frequently misinterpret the world. Through our conditioning, we very often misinterpret situations. We misinterpret people's intentions towards us. And that creates a lot of unnecessary drama when you misinterpret other people's <laughs> intentions. Even to look for an intention, in many cases, is not necessary and leads you astray. So, yes, that is a very important discovery that a lot of these things are part of your conditioning, especially if it involves any form of negativity, fear, anxiety, any reactivity in situations or people, then you know it is uh, part of the conditioned you, the ego. <laughs> Interesting, I've just talked about yin and yang coming into this world, like a shift towards more yin for many people right now. <laughs> and one of the things I noticed is uh, the what used to be very common, people would say, I think that this is how it is. I think this is, this is how he is, he is, I think this, I think that. The number of times when people use I think is greatly reduced and it has been replaced with I feel. 
50 years ago, 60 years ago, most people would still mostly say, I think, <laughs> unless they were specifically talking about their feelings. But here, when you have an opinion, people no longer say, I think, they, I, well, I feel that, I do it sometimes too. I feel that that is a shift, of course, from the yang, the, the conceptual thinking to, to the yin, I feel. So that is fine, but can also be misleading. It's good to be open to your feelings, but it can also be misleading because when you say, I feel something, it does not necessarily mean you are right. <laughs> Just because you feel something doesn't mean this is co the correct interpretation of reality. I feel something about this person or about this situation. It is a correct reflection of what you feel. That's fine. Mm -hmm. So you, you, you're, you're honestly expressing your feelings. But then it may not be the case, or it may be, it may come from a deeper level too. But very often it does not come from a deeper level. It just is a reflection of your conditioning. I, so I feel, what do you ask, what do you feel about this situation? Well, I feel... <laughs> mm -hmm. Another interesting thing is that uh, you can't argue that easily with I feel. When somebody says, I feel that he is such and such a person. If you say, I think he is such and such a person, you say, no, I think you're wrong. If you say, I feel he is such and such a person, you're absolutely not wrong. This is what you feel. It's hard to argue with the way somebody feels. <laughs> think kind of requires a bit more logic to exp logical explanations but once you, if you have a feeling just just what i feel <laughs> so awareness is the key as you know awareness is not a feeling the feeling arises within the space of awareness and the feeling which may be an emotion coupled to a thought can be seen from the level of awareness. And then you can perhaps know where it comes, whether it comes from a deeper level, an insight that you have, and it feels, then you can say, this feels right. <laughs> but this, you can't, not everybody who says this feels right is actually right about the situation. <laughs> All he's saying that it feels right. Yes, that's true. But is it right? We don't know. <laughs> so, um, Feeling is not, when you feel something, it doesn't mean you're right. You may be right, but we don't know. Similarly, when you get angry about something, sometimes the more angry a person is about something, the more feel that the more right they think they are. <laughs> the more you can shout at other people, then it's, that's, uh, that's proof that you're right. Of course, in many cases, it's proof that you're wrong. <laughs> But you're definitely, your approach is correct. The awareness is there so that, and here's the key, so that you don't get taken over by thoughts or feelings. That real insights arise, they may be experienced as a kind of feeling because language is limited, but they're not really feelings. The real insights arise from awareness not from a feeling or the language, since language is limited, we sometimes describe these as also feelings, that feelings. So awareness is the key. Without awareness, you can get taken over by thoughts or emotions or feelings without knowing it. 
then you are they you are being run by certain thoughts or emotions and you think that's absolutely how it is awareness or presence is the key that gives you immunity in, and from mental viruses because mental viruses are more can be and are more destructive than physical viruses mental viruses are thoughts that take over your mind you can see it on a personal level it's easy to recognize in another person you, some people are obsessed with one particular thought and they interpret and certain associated thought and then they interpret the whole of reality through the filter of those thoughts people sometimes get infected with the weirdest thoughts you can say um, but then it's immediately recognized as a mental dysfunction somebody says the earth has been taken over by aliens and i'm the only human left for example <laughs> it's a weird thought that has crept into your mind and then you go around the world and around the city and you look at all these aliens out there and i'm the only human i'm just giving one extreme example it's not it happens the thought has, has occupied your mind and is now it spreads into all areas of your mind it's a virus mental virus has taken you over why because you believed in every thought that comes into your head <laughs> and this is just an extreme example but in less extreme forms it happens to many people they don't know it that they have been hijacked by thought or groups of thoughts and then we have collective collective vi viruses in your mind so people certain ideas that float around in the collective they enter your mind these days very frequently through the media social media all that where people connect this is a very dangerous place there are lots of good opportunities too but it's a very dangerous place because mental viruses can spread very easily through the technology that we have developed they spread even before we had this technology mental viruses did spread they could take over millions of people for a certain period of time and make them into maniacs so we have certain political movements like that were extremely violent and destructive communism and soviet russia the, the maoist cultural revolution millions died national socialism in germany cambodia the pol pot regime in cambodia where one third of the population was killed where you, you look at these people they, they have all gone insane <laughs> been taken over by a mental virus and therefore it was the psychologist carl jung said the greatest danger for humanity is not some natural disaster or pandemic the greatest danger for humanity is mass psychosis mass psycho collective psychosis and that's absolutely true and so for you to to, to be in become immune you need to be aware when you connect through technology you connect with the internet and the social media and the mainstream media and other media and whatever it is 
all the stuff that people facebook and twitter and instagram and i don't even know the names be very careful without awareness your mind can together with millions of others minds can be taken over and then you suddenly lose the ability to think rationally to some extent this is happening now i don't want to go into this now maybe some other time so there is there has there is a movement of uh, lack of ability to think rationally among a certain segment of the population a regressive movement one could say whereas another segment of the population is becoming more aware a very interesting separation you are becoming more aware but a certain segment of the population are becoming less rational they actually lose their ability to think rationally temporarily eventually they will wake up once you create enough suffering eventually you wake up so this is a very important topic but you are as i said at the beginning you are, you are on the right path it's only awareness that can provide you with immunity to mental viruses and that's that's really what it is thank you thank you Hi, thank you so much. I don't have my question here to read to you, so I'm going to go by memory. <laughs> it was very easy for me to go into presence and to know thought and to be in that state most of the time. However, it seems lately that my mind and my thoughts will not stop. It feels kind of like my ego is holding on for dear life and to go into a meditation or even doing like the daily meditation to have a moment of presence without my thoughts arising and taking over seems like it's not happening anymore. But the, the thing is, I'm aware that this is happening at all the times that it is happening. So it's kind of driving me a little crazy <laughs> and I don't know what to do. <laughs> Good. Well, that's an important uh, point. Yeah. You just mentioned at the end, uh, you are aware that this is happening. That's very important. Mm -hmm. So although the thoughts are there, they're behind them, there's still that awareness. So you're yes. not you're not 100% lost in the thoughts. Although, no, they're just thousands of them which i used to be able to shut off and be yes. still so it seems to be it is not uncommon as more presence arises okay. the egoic self becomes a little bit anxious uh, because it's fearing its demise okay and, uh, then it comes up with all kinds of sometimes weird thoughts it's sometimes true this your weakest area and suddenly amplifies that and focuses on that it sometimes the ego can use many avenues it can use sexuality and for example thoughts about sex could suddenly proliferate in your mind because the ego knows all oh, that that'll that'll keep him or her going <laughs> that, that, uh, so it will choose all kinds of things to stay in control to dominate you but if there is an awareness there that this is happening 
and you're saying, but you cannot shut off the thoughts, right? Let's, mm -hmm. Well, it uh, would be advisable not, not to let go of the idea that you want to shut off the thoughts and instead being aware, direct your attention somewhere else that's not the thought, but that only works if you, when the thoughts tell you, no, I can't do it, that's not the truth. If you believe when the thought says, I can't stop now, I can't stop now. If you believe that, then of course you're in the grip of it. Inviting presence into your life is uh, more powerful than trying to stop your thinking. As you invite presence into your life, thinking subsides by itself. So you cannot directly attack the movement of thought or to hold it down with willpower or whatever it may be. You can't. So instead of trying to stop thoughts, when there's an awareness, you know, I'd, I would rather not be thinking all the time these chaotic thoughts right now what is it that where can i direct my attention and then you will notice the thoughts have a magnetic pull they won't easily allow you to take your attention away from the thoughts to to extract so to speak your attention from the thoughts which is your consciousness so in a way the thoughts are forms that they, they have a grip on consciousness, but they're not their consciousness too, but they're uh, forms that consciousness has taken. So you'll notice something in you does not want you to place your attention elsewhere that is not thought, but it doesn't mean that you can't do it. it they just, this movement of thought pretends that you can't do it, it says you can't but you actually can. And that means you can invite presence into your life, uh, realizing the thoughts are futile, chaotic, even causing you unhappiness, destructive. And so then you choose the most powerful, very simple uh, places where you initially put your attention is your inner body and your breathing. They're connected. Awareness of your breathing connects you with the energy field in the inner body. This is not the physical body, it's the, the inhabiting presence that pervades every cell of your body. So attention is directed away from thinking and you'll notice a little bit, it, the thinking will always try to get your attention back. <laughs> but you say, no, thank you and go. If you can't now, you might say, oh, I can't feel the inner body. That's not true either. Start with your hands. So you ask, can I feel the energy in my hands? And, and in order to have the answer to that question, you have to stop thinking for a moment because thinking cannot tell you whether you can feel the energy in your hands. Only if you stop thinking, there's a possibility that the focus of your consciousness moves into your hands, the inner hands, and you suddenly sense the aliveness in your hands. Oh. And while you feel the aliveness in your hands, 
thinking has subsided. You can't do both. You cannot feel the aliveness within your hands and think at the same time. <laughs> so you haven't tried to stop thinking, you just feel the aliveness in your hands. Then thinking subsides. Then if you breathe consciously into the body, of course, and you feel it's not, it's not just the air that moves into the body, you feel the whole energy movement that's associated with breathing, the whole energy movement that's associated with breathing, that makes the feeling of your inner body more intense. You can suddenly, as the air flows, I always recommend that you feel as you breathe in, it moves into your abdomen. The, the energy of, this, of the breath, although the air probably is not reaching your abdomen, but it feels as if you are breathing into your abdomen. And then for a moment, there's a three, four seconds stop and then there's a breathing out and that a little bit of conscious breathing just a couple of minutes easily puts you in touch with the rest of the energy of the inner body then you can feel gradually a global sense of aliveness within the body all, all over in some parts of body you feel it more strongly than in others yes but so what you feel is not the physical body it's the consciousness that inhabits the body. So the, the consciousness that inhabits the body is not different from who you are. When we talk about it, it looks like subject and object that I've, I can sense the consciousness. That's because we break it up when we talk about it, we create subject and object in a sentence. What really is happening is the consciousness that you are which includes the consciousness that pervades the entire energy field of the body, becomes conscious of itself. And if you feel the body, the inner body, you are not thinking. It's virtually impossible. Okay, occasional fragments may drift in and out of your awareness, little fragments of thought, but basically you cannot sustain, the movement of thought cannot sustain itself when you are connected with the inner energy field of the body. And so immediately you can sense this liberation from your mind. And, and you sense a heightened, heightened sense of aliveness pervading your entire being. So you haven't tried to stop thought, you've just placed your attention elsewhere. Oh, so wonderful. And that shift that can happen in, in a space of five minutes from being totally immersed in useless thinking to feeling this wonderful aliveness that is within you. Now, you may find at some point, some thought will try to come in again and get your attention back. It'll come up often with something to do with an anxious thought something that is might happen tomorrow or whatever anxious and it so it'll focus on some anxious thought in the in the hope that this will lead to other anxious thoughts and then a minute later you're totally back in your thinking <laughs> so you will notice thought sometimes tries to get you back you to get your attention out of the body and back into your mind and then you when you notice it you simply 
the noticing is the important part and to place attention back into the body. Be very much um, uh, be careful with anxious thoughts because that's a big thing. A lot of the movement of thought for many people is associated with anxiety, fear. A lot of their thought is fear thought, directly or indirectly, consciously or unconsciously. And even angry thoughts, often you find if you look deeply underneath the anger, there's fear. And uh, it's disguised as anger. And then you may have to develop the ability to continue to feel the inner body and contemplate the world around you at the same time. This is the practice of being present within and without. And so you look, you listen, you may sense perhaps there's a movement of air, breathing, and again, very little or no conceptualization, learning to be simply aware. That is the most important thing in your life, this shift, where gradually awareness becomes more powerful than thinking. And your identity is rooted in the awareness. Your identity is no longer rooted in the thinking. Then, of course, at some point you start thinking again, and it's fine. You have to think many things, but you need to deal with the things of this world. You have to think. Also, other thoughts may arise that are just kind of casual thoughts, but you're not specifically practicing body awareness or breathing. Yes, you would start thinking again, but the self identification with thinking then disappears. And so gradually thinking uh, is no longer a problem and does not create a world of problems for yourself. Because many people have not no awareness or they inhabit a very problem. Their existence is very problematic. The entire sense of identity, and we come back to identity, the entire sense of identity is based around their problems. <laughs> That's what they think about all day long, to do with things that have happened, could happen, other people who are making my life so difficult, to think about that, situations, all so problematic. So for many, for many people, their, their sense of who they are, it sounds a little funny, but their sense of who they are is they are a problem to be solved. <laughs> That's how they feel about themselves. <laughs> and then they go to a, seek help, psychotherapist, psychologist. Now, if the psychotherapist is a good one, he, she will be able to take you beyond that. If the psychotherapist himself or herself has not, not gone beyond, you will spend years <laughs> talking about your problems. <laughs> and it's like the poor psychologist, psychoanalyst, whoever he is, the poor man or woman, whatever, has to sit there and listen to your problems for months and months and years and years. And because he or himself has not gone beyond that dimension, can't take you out of it. He or she thinks, Eventually, if you talk for long enough, you'll get beyond it, but no. 
the more you talk about it, the, the, the more complex it gets. <laughs> Talking is fine up to a point, but the reason why it is to become aware of the patterns in your mind in order to transcend. So that's the practice. I wish you well, and I'm sure you will succeed in this transition. Thank you. Thank you. I'm Oprah Winfrey, and you've been listening to Eckhart Tolle, Essential Teachings, the podcast. You can follow these essential teachings on Spotify or wherever you listen to podcasts. If you haven't yet, go to Spotify and follow this podcast. Join us next week for more enlightened teachings from Eckhart Tolle. Thank you for listening. From muddy jungle paths to snowy trails to rolling sand dunes, the 2024 Nissan Pathfinder is ready to take you to some of the most phenomenal destinations on Earth. In a Pathfinder, it's more than just the arrival. The real excitement comes from the ride to get there. With seven drive modes, Pathfinder's available intelligent four-wheel drive is built for some of the most epic journeys. So chase bigger, better, more exciting adventures in the 2024 Nissan Pathfinder. Intelligent four-wheel drive cannot prevent collisions or provide enhanced traction in all conditions. Always monitor traffic and weather conditions. Meet the next generation of podcast stars with Sirius XM's Listen Next program, presented by State Farm. As part of their mission to help voices be heard, State Farm teamed up with SiriusXM to uplift diverse and emerging creators. Tune in to Stars and Stars with Isa as host Isa Nakazawa dives into birth charts of her celeb guests. This is just the start of a new wave of podcasting. Visit statefarm.com to find out how we can help prepare for your future. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there.